Welcome to the Crypto Business Podcast, helping you navigate the frontier of crypto. And now, here is your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you so much for joining me for the Crypto Business Podcast, brought to you by Social Media Examiner. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner, and this is the podcast for innovative thinkers who want to know what works in the world of Web 3.0. Today, I'll be joined by Brian Fanzo, and we'll explore NFTs for business, what you need to know, why you ought to consider them, and so much more. By the way, I'm at Stelzner on Instagram. And if you're new to this podcast, be sure to follow this show so you do not miss any of our future content. And now for this week's interview with Brian Fanzo. Helping you to simplify your crypto journey. Here is this week's expert guide. Today, I'm very excited to be joined by Brian Fanzo. If you don't know who Brian is, you need to know who he is. He's a digital futurist, host of the NFT 365 podcast, and creator of the ADHD coin. Brian, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Mike. Excited to be here. So today, Brian and I are going to explore NFTs and why businesses might want to consider them. Now, before we get into this, Brian, uh, you and I have known each other for many, many years, and I would love for you to share your journey into crypto and into NFTs, start wherever you want to start. You know, interestingly enough, with my background, right, I have cybersecurity as a background. I worked in cybersecurity for the Department of Defense. And then I was a technology evangelist at a data center company. And actually, at that data center company is actually when, when we met Mike in that 2013 range. And as I was leaving that, a lot of our focus was into the blockchain. And so I've actually been talking blockchain, the actual technology of blockchain since 2013. And funny enough, I actually made like this like proclamation that I was like, please let's not make something that has a financial asset as the first use case for this amazing technology. And of course, we were completely wrong as crypto became the, the vehicle. And it, and it was the reason I put that out there was I, much like, you know, with cloud computing or we moved to some of these complex tech side, you know, the, the risk is already there for doing something new. And then we add financial risk to it. And you know, now it has another layer. And so funny enough for me, I was talking blockchain in many facets, but really shying away from crypto for multiple different reasons. A lot of it had to do with you know, where does it playing in? I, I didn't think of myself as like a financial stock guy. Like that wasn't like my, my background and knowledge. And you know, interestingly enough, it was actually as I started to look at things below the, you know, the different elements of blockchain. I think as we started to see things like Ethereum and Solana pop up in what they could actually provide, then I started to get excited about this idea of like utility and you know, where that can extend. And I will actually say it was actually creator coins that opened my mind to, wait a second, what if we could add a layer to someone supporting or holding something and do it in a way that is beneficial for an entire community, right? As soon as I I recognized that idea of like this creator economy. I was like, okay, now we're onto something. But I didn't couldn't figure out like what is the vehicle to onboard people. And then NFTs kind of became like that like thing where I was like, oh wait a second. Now we have the art. Now we have another path in. And so like to me, that's really the, been the journey. I've been excited for what blockchain opens up. I'm a big believer in in transparency. I love the concept of removing some of the the borders and limitations that exist with technology and and some of the things over the years. So that's kind of, for me, like what got me to like the excited part about this. And now a part of it's like, okay, now what are the opportunities? Well, I remember we were both very active in Clubhouse. I started in early to mid-December. 
I think you were definitely in there either slightly before or after, but I started seeing lots of people talking about crypto and NFTs inside of Clubhouse. And I think that's where probably we first started hearing about some of these creator coins, right? So tell us a little bit about that journey and how that went for you. Yeah. So it was actually on, it was in a Clubhouse room. And for me, you know, I've been making you know, part of my business, my revenue is, you know, we've done six figures of influencer work for seven years in a row, right? And that's a, a big piece of my business, you know, creation of content, influencer work, mostly B2B, you know, en enterprise tech. But there was always like a limitation to this idea of like, how do I monetize in that, you know, using that word, but not do it in a way where it's like pay to play or have to directly sell to my audience. And I remember I was actually in a clubhouse room and the person who was the icon on clubhouse, which was Bumani, he actually you know, got on and he announced his coin. And I was like, and he's like, yeah, you know, they have a website. And I literally on that, you know, we were, we were launching a, a speaker mastermind that I was uh, kind of finalizing. And while on that clubhouse room, I actually applied for a creator coin and I found out within 10 days that I got approved. And it was like, what did I get approved for? Like, I, I'm still like, it was, it was very much like, a, okay, now that I have an option for that, what does that look like? Well, and we should back up that you used the rally network, right? Yep. You're wearing, for those that are watching the video, you're wearing a rally t-shirt. So you applied for the rally network, not knowing what the heck you were doing. You got approved. I was asked to be part of the initial group of 60 by Jeremiah Oyang, who is an advisor, and I didn't know what it was. So I said, no, I'm not interested because I don't really, if I don't understand something, the last thing I want to do is just commit to something, right? But you decided to dive in. So what happened after you got approved? So yeah, so Jeremiah, shout out to Jeremiah. I'm you know, thankful for his friendship for many years as well. He's, you know, part of it, he came back to me and said, you know, Brian, hey, what is your plan? Like, and I had a plan for this monetizing of my speaker mastermind, but, I, and he was like, how are you looking at that in this space? And I was like, well, I'm actually going to kind of like swap over. And Jeremiah is great because he was like, hey, you know, don't like stop doing the things that you are doing. You know, look at this as like an, an additional opportunity. And I will tell you, like I, not only did I dive all in, I immediately said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to build strong relationships with the other 48 creators that already have coins. I bought all of their coin. I joined all of their communities and was like, I'll figure it out by being a user first. And, I, and we, we launched about a month later, but I'd say I didn't truly understand how to educate the audience and bring it to life until really June of this year. And, and that's where, for me, kind of I had the aha moment of, wait a second, this is truly an opportunity to have the rising tide lifts all boats. And I can use it not only to monetize, but I can use it to reward. You know, just today, I, I rewarded, I, I dropped an airdrop of $1,900 worth of ADHD coin into our Discord because we just had 500 members and it was to celebrate our 500 members. And anyone who was active in the last 24 hours got an even share of, of that distribution. And it comes out of my like portfolio, but it's just like another opportunity for me to reward and, and incentivize my community. And we should mention airdrop isn't what everybody thinks it is with their iPhones when you're dropping pictures. It's actually, explain what it is for people that don't know what that means. Airdropping is, you know, you're sending to someone's wallet or portfolio a it's really a crypto transaction that you're, you're sending over. And it can be, you can airdrop an NFT, you can airdrop cryptocurrency, or, or in my case, I'm airdropping ADHD coin. And, and what's neat about that is Rally, which is the side chain, just, I guess, let me explain that part of it real quick. It's a side chain of Ethereum. For me, for like the ADHD coin, it's actually, it's on a curve that's bonded three ways. So rather than just being bonded one way, which was typical uh, cryptocurrency, it's bonded on the Rally coin, which is tradable on Coinbase. 
It's bonded on the Ethereum coin because we're on the Ethereum sidechain. And then it's bonded actually on the ADHD coin, which is my coin and like the volume of traffic. And so it has a little bit less volatility or, or should have a little bit less volatility. The market lately is, is a little bit of a wild uh, ride. But because of that, it also allows people to not have to have something like a, a software wallet. They can actually create a free account on Rally because it is a sidechain. So it operates in the decentralized blockchain world, but it has some like sidechain benefits that kind of makes it a little easier for people to onboard into this space. So you set up your own creator coin, you created a community on Discord for your ADHD coin holders. Talk to us about how did you transition into NFTs? Like, like do you, did you create an NFT for this too? So I'd have now, but it was right around that same time that like this idea of utility, like the idea for me has always been like if someone is buying something or someone is, is, you know, I, I've always, like, I've, I've never sold like online courses or memberships. Like that's just not been in my, you know, I've been one that I've been very blessed. I've been like kind of a B2B in a way. You've been a consultant thing. mostly, right? Haven't you? Mostly. Yeah. yeah. And, and the monetization for me was a brand would pay me to create content. I would give the content free to my audience, right? It was a very nice echo chamber or, you know, kind of setup that I had. But for me, part of what I was looking at was how can I give people access with to something that allows them to grow with me, but also allows them to, to have like transactional opportunities with it. And it was actually that exact same time. I was the, the same month that I, I had the Crater coin. I actually was on Twitter, a, a friend, uh, Kat Cole, who most people know, Kat was tweeted out this NFT that was supporting the troops in Afghanistan. And for everyone that bought a coin, um, it was sending over care packages. And I've had the opportunity, you know, very lucky to work with the military. I did three trips to Iraq, two to Afghanistan. And so I jumped on it. And then when I got it in my wallet, it had this like aha moment where when they sent it to me, I was like, okay, cool. Like it's a donation. I kind of like. So wait, what were you buying exactly? You were buying an NFT and that money from that NFT was going to the military families or something like that? Correct. So yeah, it was a hundred percent of the profit was going to buy care packages for the military uh, members that were still in Afghanistan. Ah, so uh, okay. I looked at it as like, hey, an awesome way to support. And even when they, it like popped up in my wallet, I was like, okay, what do I do with that? I don't, I don't, oh, sure. And what had happened was, uh, it was about a week later that the, the, the people who had actually launched the coin, they're like, everyone who has this NFT can join this webinar that was at the time, I think it was like $1,500 per person to get in for free as like a thank you for doing it. They're like, you don't have to do anything. We don't do anything. All you do is connect your wallet to our, our webinar and you're in. And like, that was like the aha, like, oh, wait a second. Like, uh, you're starting to think access, community, all that stuff, right? Yeah. I and mean, it was like a very aha moment for me. And, you know, and I will say like, I, I, I bought like maybe one more uh, NFT. I had someone gift me an NFT and then it was 45 days of hardcore studying and figuring out without buying anything. It was like, I am going to understand the nuances of these communities. And as soon as I did, I, I was hooked. It was, it was pretty, it was pretty instant after that. Did you eventually launch your own NFT or have you not there yet? So I have, so I launched it on December 12th. So, which was very cool. And for me, I did a, a little bit different than most for me, you know, I have this daily podcast, so it's called NFT 365 and it's inspired by people. So he's an artist. He has sold through Sotheby's. He has actually two $60 million NFT launches projects that were launched that were sold for over $60 million. And what he had done was he had, he was creating digital art for over a thousand days. And he took the a thousand individual pieces and created like this mosaic. And I got to meet him in New York city with Gary Vaynerchuk. Gary did a sit down with him. And I was sitting there talking to Gary and, and people and just hearing about like in people's mind, it was 
taking what he loved to do and putting it in a way that someone could collect and, and kind of learn along with him, right? So it was the idea that you have all of the, and so whoever bought that piece was now the owner of all a thousand of them. At that moment, I said, you know what I need to do is I need to create a mosaic to teach people NFTs. And so I came up with the idea, I'm going to buy an NFT every single day for a year, and I'm going to do a daily podcast, and kind of, which will keep me kind of on top of it in the loop. But when I was doing that, I was like, you know, there's something that's missing from this concept because it was partially for me was like, if I'm buying one every day, someone doesn't have to spend the money to, to participate. Like you can literally just follow along on our journey. We're posting everything publicly. We have full access. But the piece that really hit me was like, what if I sell NFTs of my own that give people a piece of the revenue of this total sale that we sell on November 11th, 2022? And so I rolled out two different levels of NFTs. Total, they'll get 52% of the revenue from that project. So we're going to sell all 365 as one mosaic NFT on November 11th, 2022. So it's a 11-11-22. Like uh, and the hope is that it's appreciated in value, right? Is that the idea? It is. And it's also going to be the, it's going to be the entire journey. So every day is a podcast episode. So each one of those days, we're going to connect the podcast episode to the piece of art, uh, the NFT that we actually bought. So it's going to be the entire story. You're actually buying you know, the first ever daily you know, NFT collection that also includes the NFT audio from the the podcast in one mosaic collection. So not only the the value of the bag or you know the bag being referred to as all of the NFTs, but also this entire kind of package. And what's neat is we're holding all of them. Every one of them is held until that date. Today was day 49 of buying our NFTs. And the amount of people now they're like, wait a second, you're holding them that long. And so it's gonna be fun to look back six months from now and be like, what did we buy in November? And why did we buy that? But that's kind of like the, the entire package. And it's been fun. I created NFTs. I did 3D animated uh, NFTs that even have an augmented reality functionality because if I'm going to do something, I usually do it big. And so it's been, it's been a really fun journey. And we still have some for sale at the, the super fans level that we are rolling out. But uh, for me, the beauty is I'm giving up 52% of the, the revenue for the community. And so the project is as much for the community as it is. for me. Very fascinating. Now, this is a great transition since you're buying NFTs every single day. Let's think about this from the business perspective. There's a lot of business people listening to this show and they're wondering, should they create NFTs for their business or said another way, why should businesses consider creating NFTs? What's your response to people that are maybe a little skeptical right now? Because I'm sure plenty of people are like wondering why, why would I do this? Trust me, I, and I was there, right? I remember being like, what in the world are people like, what, like why are they trading them? how is value even determined? Like what is, it was a, it's a very you know, interesting subsection. And I'll say like my, my little take on this, and, and I'm not sure if it's, you know, it might be a little bit unique in the sense that I believe to truly, before you can create in the NFT space, you should be a collector first. So you should have a couple that you're collecting just to understand some of the nuances and, and not just, not the technology, but more of like the culture that's being created. Cause it is a very culture that is focused on community first and very heavy on this idea of, you know, you have to kind of know and get to understand some of the, the nuances and vernacular. And we've seen some big brands. It's just like social media, right? You don't just go into TikTok and start recording videos without understanding the culture of TikTok, right? It couldn't be any more like, and actually when I was with Gary Vee there in New York, he like grabbed me by both of my shoulders and he's like, Banzo, you remember early days social media is like, this is it with technology. It's like, it's the perfect place. And it, it does feel like that, right? You have to 
little bit of no, like, hey, don't share the same photo with the same caption on LinkedIn and Facebook, right? Like now we have to understand, okay, if I'm launching an NFT, what does it mean to a mint price versus, you know, royalties coming on the back end, like those little nuances. But I think for brands, the other thing to think about our businesses as a whole is there's an opportunity here to really integrate yourself by holding an NFT and actually joining some of these communities where you might not even have to create one to generate value for your business. Because a lot of these communities, I will tell you a couple that I'm a part of, I've now done business with many of the people in there where I'm buying their services and things they have going on. Because it is, if you think about NFT as an access ticket to you know, a, a closed door event or a closed door discord or a private community, it is something really neat about having that access and being able to you know, have conversations with those that kind of share your, your passion. So I do think businesses should definitely be thinking about it. But I think the first start is definitely to be a, you know, a collector first and then kind of create after that. Well, from what I'm learning, and I am a student of this, I think part of the reason why business might want to consider creating an NFT is unlike a social token, which is just, they're all equal, right? They're all of equal value. And, you know, one, one ADHD token is no different than the next ADHD token. NFTs can be limited edition. They can be tradable. They can also uh, really, some of your most loyal customers might want to buy these in the same way they would buy a baseball cap or a t-shirt, right? Or any other, any other cool thing. Like in the past, you know, Seth Godin, a big author in the marketing world, he sold a couple limited edition, like giant versions of one of his books and they sold for ridiculous amounts of money. And that's like, there's only a few of those, right? And that's, I don't know, what's, you, you have anything you want to add to that? You think about it from that perspective, right? Like the difference with NFTs and you actually kind of set it up perfectly on non-fungible token. Like I think the word itself is pretty funny, but the idea of non-fungible token is that it is not the same. You know, there's not one of many, right? So if I gave you $10 today and said, pay me back $10 next week, you could take the $10, use it, spend it, come back with $5 and five ones, and you still gave me $10. But if I'm sending you an NFT, this NFT, and telling you to send it back to me next Monday, you are sending me that exact same token. That exact same NFT is coming back to me. And so that idea adds into the exclusivity, right? It adds into that little bit of that collector notion. But the place where it goes beyond kind of what Seth Godin example you mentioned was what if everybody that bought that limited edition book that was, you know, only you know, one of six or whatever it was also got access to a one hour phone call every year that they owned it with Seth Godin. And you could actually, by just holding it, you got into his Calendly and you were able to book your one hour phone call. But then all of a sudden you're like, you know what, I'm going to retire. What you are able to do is I'm going to sell that on the blockchain because it's authenticated. I'm going to sell it to someone who's now wants to get in marketing and have that one hour with Seth Godin. Not only when you sell, sell it, can you be, have that monetizable value, but there's nothing Seth Godin needs to do because that is all transparently on the blockchain. And now that person has the same benefits and utility. It's just the ownership is transferred. And so like that element of being able to really transfer ownership of value is really what makes you know, the NFT space unique. And you know the part that I think is exciting from a business perspective is if you do create a series of NFTs, and it becomes something that lots of people want to trade. Well, there is a business advantage. You can write into the smart contract that you're going to take 5% of every trade that happens, right? Without question. And that's a way that you can actually make more money 
on the exchange marketplace than you can on the original NFTs, which is exactly what happened with Gary Vaynerchuk with his V friends, right? Yeah. He just publicly put out, he's making $1.1 million a day right now on the trades, on the trades, on the residual backend. So the way it works is natively in the contract, you can actually build in. And another part of this that's nice is you can add in direct charitable aspects too, right? So not only can you say, I get 10% as a creator every time you sell my NFT, but you can actually say, I get 5% and send 5% to No Kid Hungry because it's a charity that I believe in. There's nothing that you can do. There's no way to go around that. Every single time that it is sold, that is automatically taken and, and put into those wallets because oh, that's, interesting. that's in the smart contract. That's really interesting. So that's that social good concept that we were talking about. Fascinating. So I would imagine that other entity must also have a, a wallet that this can automatically be done in. But the good news about this, which I think is really interesting, is you can't cheat it because the only way to, to exchange these things, well, actually, even if I just sent my NFT to you, from me to you, somehow it executes programming, if you will, right? Which automatically distributes the portions, right? I mean, somehow it's automated. Is that right? That's correct. That's the beauty of the smart contract. Really, a smart contract is, it's better just to say, it's the code that lays underneath of the, the photo or the image that we all see. Yeah. And in that code, there's a lot of if this, then that statement. I see. If you do this, then do that, right? So if, you, if this changes uh, ledgers from one wallet to another, automatically remove this amount from that ledger, and it cannot be edited or modified afterwards which is kind of the beauty of where this, you know, I'll make the bold prediction that like five years from now, NFTs will be in every aspect of our lives because of that layer of transparency and chain of custody that exists with that kind of transactions. Let's talk about some other use cases. You told me about proof of attendance. What does that mean exactly? And also reward systems and stuff like that. Talk to me a little bit about how that can work with NFTs. So proof of attendance protocol, or it's been referred to as POOPS, is the idea that you could actually give out NFTs that are based on like a limited time and have, you know, maybe a secret word to access them, right? So for, you know, Time Magazine, Time Magazine is doing an amazing job I, uh, in transparency. I'm a holder of a couple of their NFTs, but one of the things that they do is they run um, these Discord community sessions. And during the Discord community session, they'll give out a secret word. And in, during that same time frame, that one hour block, you go over to the website and you put in the word and it gives you an NFT or what they're calling, you know, a POAP, which means proof of attendance protocol, which just signals, hey, I attended this. What is neat about it is when you accumulate five of those, let's say for Time Magazine, you now get access to behind the scenes things. You get access to a special digital copy. So you're able to reward and incentivize people that are participating. I'm doing it actually with my podcast starting next week. We're actually doing a secret word in our podcast. And the first 100 people that take the secret word and put it into our website will actually get an NFT directly sent to their wallet immediately just to say, I'm calling it proof of podcast because I was like, you know what? I want you to show that, hey, you have the bell on, you're subscribed to my podcast. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to give out you know, rewards and my coin. If you have this many of my you know, PO apps, my uh, you know, proof of podcast NFTs, you're going to get $100 30th of every month. And now I'm able to add some like of these like other components on. So POAPS is one that is an interesting one. We're seeing it done with like in-person events, right? Like as a speaker, I could say like, if you come see me four times in a year and you have four POAPS, you get my book for free. Oh, that's really cool. Right? You just go to my website, 
and you connect your wallet and it automatically removes the amount because it's all built into the website, right? Like, so now we're able to really add the beauty of this because it can sound like, well, Brian, can't we already do that with like QR codes and, and email signups, which we can. This is automated though, right? This is all automated and it's all transparent on the blockchain to the point where you have a very nice visibility of who, where, when in ways that allow you to kind of, you know, which is kind of nice. You can even share, like, you know, I mentioned the, the social good um, aspect. You know, Shaquille O'Neal just launched an NFT and 100% of Shaquille O'Neal's NFT is going to a foundation. And what he's doing is all foundation payments for everything they're doing will use the wallet that the money is going towards. So for me, like, I pulled up his wallet because I can see it openly on the, on the blockchain and I can see every single payment that comes out. So he's like, there'll be no money for overhead or for salaries. And what's beautiful because the blockchain enables us to see that is that it's true, right? So like you can kind of see where that, like, that money goes. And that's kind of a nice advantage in this like, kind of you know, transparent blockchain world. Talk about co-creation with community because this is something we talked about. What does that mean exactly when it comes to NFTs? So I would say the fundamental aspect of NFTs is community. The photo or the image is community signaling, or you could even say value signaling. And it's much like, you know, I, I like to use the car example, right? Like, I know there's a lot of people that if you buy a Toyota or you buy a Lexus, I, I believe like they might be made like in the same factory with almost the exact same parts. But there are people that when they want to signal that they have a Lexus and they will, you know, that's part of the reason you're buying it. And if you think of an NFT as kind of like the, the front symbol on your vehicle, that if I have this NFT, I'm signaling I'm part of this community and a member of what this community represents. And what's really beautiful about that is it opens up a layer of serendipity that I believe has been missing from social media, digital for our entire you know, world. Because I mean, part of the beautiful reason that we go to a social media marketing world is I'm connected with all of these humans on every channel there is, right? We are posting and sharing, but the opportunity to be walking down a hallway and run into somebody and we happen to have a conversation about, oh, we both care about this. And, and those things kind of organically happen. We go to dinner. We, we know those things happen every year at social media marketing world, that is what we're able to start to being able to enable in these NFT communities. And like, for example, I, I, one of the ones that I joined was, it's called Crypto Dads. And it's an NFT that I purchased early on. I, I minted it. I bought it before it was released. And what's been really cool is there are, there's a channel in there for divorced co-parent dads. And that's what I am. And we're able to, to be there for each other, connect. And I don't know of another place online, maybe a Reddit, a Reddit thread, that I would have found this group of people. And what's also kind of neat on that is the more that we talk about this, this crypto dad community, the more people want to be into it, right? So now all of a sudden, the value of the NFTs that we are holding are going up because if more people want into it and there's only 10,000 of them that exist and they're non-fungible, therefore they're not able to be duplicated, now all of a sudden the value of what we're holding also goes up. And so the community is, I mean, without... I, I've never believed that we can let community become a buzzword. I know you agree with that, Mike. And the the aspect of NFTs for community is is something that it's unlike anything I've ever seen before. There is an element of like together we're all in this because you also because you own the NFT, you own a part of that project. Because if everyone sold every one of their NFTs, we all sold them for a dollar. Now they're only worth a dollar, right? Because we as the holders are determining their value. And so with that also becomes the, the responsibility of ownership in it, which gives like another layer to community that I really don't think exists in a lot of other places. A lot of people are loving this conversation, Brian. I'm so excited about you 
explaining all this because up to this point, I've just not gotten NFTs. I've received one as a gift. I have not purchased one because I do not understand exactly why people are spending ungodly amounts of money for a V friend or a board ape, you know, or a crypto punk. But now you're beginning to help understand some of the use cases. I think you mentioned earlier, Hey, one of the best things to do is to like, just look around and see what other people are doing. Since you've been buying one every day, let's start with where do we go to find what others are doing so we can find some inspiration. Are there places that we should go to, to learn more about some of these different, you know, NFT projects that people are doing? I'll say, first of all, if you've forgot about my favorite social network, which is Twitter, that's the first place to start. NFT community has not only latched on to Twitter as like the home, but Twitter spaces. If I looked at my phone right now, I bet you there'd be 16 to 18 Twitter spaces with a couple hundred people in it, all talking NFTs. I've always loved Twitter. It's always been my love, but it's now there's an aspect of, and I think part of the reason is, is that mention of serendipity, right? The, if we all have an NFT, what other social network allows us all to kind of join in in public conversations in such a, a natural way. So Twitter would be without question, the number one kind of place to kind of just real quick, because Twitter spaces is a lot like clubhouse. And I believe Twitter has updated their spaces where you can click on that little thing at the bottom and discover spaces. Should they be searching for certain hashtags? Like, cause there's a lot of Twitter spaces that are not related to NFTs. What should they be looking for? So NFT community is the number one I would say look for. So just a hashtag NFT community and it's widely used, but it's been you know fairly well, not like overly spammed. And I will say Spaces search has got really better now as well. So you can actually just put in NFTs into their search without even a hashtag and they'll pull up any ones that have you know that title. And, and, as, and Twitter Spaces have become love clubhouse. I spent you know ungodly amount of hours there. But I will say Twitter Spaces, the, that, that idea of anyone can drop by, not even looking for audio, but they like, they see it in their feed and like, oh, look, there's, you know, our friend Jason Keith is in there, or I see that Jeremiah Oyang's talking about DAOs, and and you're able to kind of pop in in that like kind of Twitter way. And so yeah, Twitter Spaces. It's a bigger network. I mean, and it's it's uh, specifically uh, let's talk exchanges, right? So should we be looking at exchanges to find projects, or is that not a good idea because it's the wild wild west? Or what are your thoughts? You know. So marketplaces are kind of like the place where we're, you know, secondary sales are living right now at the moment. I think the number one question I get, right, we've been doing this podcast now 49 days in a row, is like, Brian, where do I discover new projects? I think oftentimes what we mean by that is it's twofold, right? Where do I discover projects that I've seen in my feed? And then how do I know what things are upcoming, right? And I'll say the latter is a little harder to figure out because a lot of the like calendar or know when something's dropping I mean, a lot of it's done on Twitter, to be honest. And Discord, right? And Discord. Twitter and Discord. And Discord has become, I mean, I have, I had to create a second Discord account because you only get 200 servers per Discord and I had reached the 200 limit because we're doing all of these NFTs and we're, and it's a little bit of a nightmare. I would, I now have people on my team that are kind of helping manage that. But Discord has become, I, I went there kicking and screaming. I was not a huge fan of the platform uh, prior. It was built for gamers to begin with, but it has become a necessary evil in many ways for NFTs because it allows you to connect for authorization and verification that you're holding things, right? So like when I go into a Discord, if I'm holding the NFT, I can hit verify. It checks to see if that's in my wallet and it now opens up additional things because it's only for those that hold that. And Discord allows that very organically. So Discord's a great place. I will caveat because NFTs have got a lot of buzz. The ability for people to want to spam 
or to take advantage of people has increased. There's a lot of scammers. Yeah. Without question. So just like on email and most recently on SMS, when you get an email that is from someone you don't know with a link that says you, you know, entitled to a million dollars or even one that says, Hey, I wanted to make sure you signed up. You got my book for free. Do not click on it. Right. We know that an email, the same is should has to be given with DM, with direct messages on discord and direct messages on Twitter. I cannot state it enough. Do not click on any links, any links anywhere that are not the official links, either in the Twitter bio or in the Discord important links um, channel that almost every place has. Because I've seen two to three friends a week seem to be getting either buying an NFT that is fake or clicking on something. It pops up with what looks like a good website and it says, connect your wallet, give us your seed phrase. And now. Yeah, yeah. Don't, don't ever give anybody your seed phrase. Okay, so my understanding of NFTs is there's the minting process, which you kind of kind of know that's where you got to be in the know. You got to know when people are dropping these new NFTs. And then there's the marketplaces. I call them exchanges, you know, people, places like OpenSea, which is the really big one. It Does it make sense to go to OpenSea and search for projects? Or are there other websites or blogs or whatever that are talking about projects just so people can like understand what's going on out there? Or do you just have to just follow crap tons of information on Twitter. Do you understand what I'm asking? Yeah, yeah, of course. I would actually say rather than searching on something like OpenSea, I would actually go to the stats feature or go to the categories feature. So you could go into categories and say, I want art projects. And then you can look at individual art projects that are one of one, right? Not one of many. And I'll explain that part of it in a second. But like technically you're in the, the it's a secondary marketplace. It is by far leaps and bounds, the most trafficked website. I believe they cracked the top 50 and most trafficked websites in the world now with OpenSea just alone. It, it is the place for secondary sales. It's like Amazon for NFTs, right? Without question, without question. But the thing that I will say, like, can when you think about it, like the discovery, the thing we haven't mentioned is a lot of these projects that you're seeing as profile photos, right? Where they're referred to as PFPs in the NFT space. They're through generative art which means a lot of the features or properties that are on them are randomly generated via code that not even the founders know, which is why that, that whole minting process to me, you know, as someone with ADHD, it's the biggest dopamine kick ever because it's like I opened baseball cards and football cards when I was little, like, please be a Joe Montana rookie card. Please. And you, you open the card, you're thumbing through it with the, the minting process, which means you're betting on the project before you even know what art you have, right? So this is a little bit more of a, it's usually cost you less, but it also has a little bit more of a risky play. You pay for it, you mint it, and then it randomly selects the properties that are on your piece of art. And then based on the properties that are least used, it's referred to as a rarity score. So if you look at it and you're like, why is that board ape worth $4 million and this board ape is worth $200,000? Well, in some cases, it's just the people like the art better than another piece of art, right? Like art is very subjective. In other cases, it's because that art only has one attribute and it's a hat. And there's only 4% of the entire 10,000 collection that only have one attribute. So when you think of that, when you're looking at these collections, you can go to some sites. There's a great one called rarity.tools. So .tools is the domain part of it that actually allows you to search for projects. It'll show you like what the floor price is. And yeah, floor, floor price is the cheapest price, right? It's the cheapest price for sale at that moment. Okay. And I, I despise that as a metric. It goes up, it goes up and down all the time, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. But I like, you know, like average sale for the day, right? Like I look at that as a, a dictator, like 
what was the average sale of this collection for that day? Is that publicly available on OpenSea? It's not publicly available on OpenSea. I feel like they're kind of like Facebook in the sense of like they only give us like likes, <laughs> like likes and shares. When we want, um, but there's a couple other tools. I like a cool one called IC.tools. And, it, and IC.tools actually gives you that information. Is it just, how do you spell it? ICY? ICY.tools. Like okay. And what's nice about it is you can see how many individual holders there are of a collection because that also will give you some like insight. It'll tell you how many people have traded them or bought them recently. What's the volume of that trade? So like IC Tools is a great one. They have a free tool that gives you some really great like data at like a, a little bit more of a delayed Right. So if you're not like trying to get on something that everyone's going for, it still works for the free version. I will say I have the, you know, the, the paid version because I can look at and say in the last 15 minutes, which of these program projects are getting the most traffic? Because like for me, that's going to signal a lot of different things for I could sell one that I have of the collection or I could try to buy one because I know people are caring about it. But that's a great tool for like the data side of it. And I will say the other part that we're starting to see emerge just recently is a lot of the, you know, those people that you trust, those creators, those influencers are talking about projects that are either upcoming or they're a part of. And hopefully it's going to disrupt this kind of what has existed over a little bit while is a lot of people just being paid to, to talk about anything. We call it shilling, shilling anything, right? And, and I would say that the other caveat that we haven't mentioned is that in a weird way, if it's a brand, a big brand launching an NFT, a celebrity launching an NFT or an athlete launching an NFT, most of those projects have fallen completely apart and have been horrible. Really? Yeah. And I will say there's a couple exceptions to the rule. I will say Playboy is one that has done it above and beyond, in my personal opinion. I'm a holder, so I don't have any interest in them other than I, I hold one of them. But they have done it. They've created a whole story and an economy around it, their project. Uh, and then just recently, just in the last week, Justin Bieber launched one with his actually artist that designs his merchandise line. And so they, they're bears. If you look at my profile photos anywhere right now, I actually have my, you know, my, they're called in-betweeners is the name of the, the bear that, that Justin's uh, team rolled out. But what he did that's really well, really well, well designed was he understood the community. He focused on the art and underneath it, like the underneath thread is spreading love and positivity. And so a lot of the things that you get by holding these bears is that it, you get access to some communities that you have able to do social good and give back. And I think a lot of the brand and celebrity mistakes have been like, oh, I, I want to do that. Like, let's launch it next week. I'll just jump on a project. And I think if you realize that you know, anyone that knows building a community requires you to be part of the community, not just like, hey, this is a community. We've seen a couple of big name people that they're like, they'll give away a car if you join the Discord. Well, now the Discord has 100,000 members. They launched the NFT because it's like assumed it has that much of an audience. And then... The NFT is bought. The celebrity disappears. The people that bought it are like, what else do we get? And there's not much behind it. Everybody sells it. And now it's worth zero. That has been kind of one of those interesting trends. So in a weird way, it's unlike anything I've ever experienced. If I see a celebrity involved, I immediately have, oh, it's a red flag. Okay, let's see what they're about compared to a lot of these other projects that are very like homegrown feel or really have developed over time. I mentioned Time Magazine. Um, that's a you know a really great one that, that I believe has done it really well. The Matrix movie rolled out one recently and got a little bit of, of bad press, but it was they were trying to do something that no one else had ever done before, which was uh, 100,000 NFTs in one collection. Like most collections have 10,000, kind of the average, and they wanted to do something bigger and better than anyone. And they also wanted to let you buy with a credit card instead of having to have Ether, which was like a, another layer that caused some complexities. 
But yeah, that's kind of like the, a little bit of lay of the landscape. If I was recommending anybody for buying their very first NFT, would be find one, your first one, of a piece of art or like the community or language that just speaks to you. Like you're like, you know what? I, I would be okay just having that and being a part of that community. And then the second one is when you'd be like, okay, now I want to see what maybe some of my peers or my friends have. Or, you know, in that, that one that you bought, like asking around, like this is a very common thing in, in NFT discords. If you're having a great conversation, you'll say, hey, what other NFTs do you hold? And most times people just send you their wallet. And so now I'm able to pull up their OpenSea account. Like if anyone wants to check out mine, it's very transparent. It's, you know, OpenSea.io slash Fanzo. Pretty, pretty simple. You can actually see every NFT I own. You can see all of my transaction history. And part of the beauty of that is if you find a community of people, those people probably are also joining in other communities of very well, you know, like-minded ones, you know, on top of that. And so that to me is kind of like that nice ability, like jumping in one that kind of feels good and then kind of going from there. Brian, think five years from now, we're recording this at the very end of 2021. Where do you see all this NFT stuff going? What do you think it's going to make possible, especially for the businesses that are listening right now? I think every aspect of ownership that we have in our day-to-day lives will have an NFT component or an NFT twin, for example. So I'll, I'll use a, you know, we could use real estate, we could use a car or even like a designer handbag, right? If you're buying a Louis Vuitton designer handbag, part of the problem with reselling that or even, you know, using it is like there's an entire underground market of knockoffs that have always existed. We've walked by them on the streets everywhere. And what is beautiful in this NFT space is if you have an NFT twin associated with your uh, handbag, what is nice about it is it actually shows, I purchased this from Louis Vuitton and I am the owner. When you want to sell it, you can actually sell it to someone and transfer that NFT. So that person doesn't have to say, is this real? Is this legit? Right? We've all, you know, Craigslist and eBay. You're like, I just hope it's what the picture is of what they actually said. That's going to exist. The flip of this in like the car side, which I am probably more excited about than anything else, is imagine if car companies and no, if you, anyone that works for a car company is listening, I'm sorry, I'm going to give a little shot. I'm, I'm a Jeep fan. Imagine if Jeep really cared about my maintenance of my Jeep. Like if Jeep really cared. Once we buy it, we pay the $40,000, take it off the lot. It depreciates in value. But then like it's up to us to do an oil change every 3,000 miles. But imagine if that vehicle had an NFT twin and every time the Jeep was sold, Jeep, the company, got a 10% royalty from what would Jeep now want to actually do? Well, they would now want to actually be a part of and encourage us to take better maintenance of our car to keep the value of the car at a higher level so that their percentage of resale is now increased. And so all of a sudden, this idea of shared ownership and caring about who owns your, your products and services completely changes in the fabric of like this environment. Wow, Brian, this has been an absolutely eye-opening discussion if people want to check out your podcast, they want to check out you on the socials, they want to go to your website, like go ahead and tell everybody where the best place is to reach you. Sure. So the podcast is pretty simple in all of your favorite podcasting players. So whatever you're listening to this in, uh, just search NFT365. So NFT365, which stands for 365 days, which is what we're we're doing with uh, buying the podcast. It is a daily podcast. A majority of the episodes are solo where I'm kind of just sharing some narrative. They'll range in times. I am doing some uh, periodic interviews about every five or seven. So yeah, NFT365 is the podcast. I have the same username on every channel. It is iSocialFans with a Z or a Z at the end of it. You know, and then you know, my full-time profession is a, is a full-time keynote speaker, digital futurist. And I do talk about 
this uh, like emerging Web3 trends in my newest talk, which is called uh, Shrink the Distance, which really refers to this idea of what, how we can shrink the distance between us and our audience. And that website's brianfanzo.com. So brianfanzo.com, you know, everywhere and anywhere. And I will caveat, I create a lot of content everywhere. So I always tell people, you don't have to follow me everywhere. Whatever is your favorite channel, just look up iSocialFans. I promise I'm active uh, because I, I do truly love you know, being active everywhere. And just give me a follow there because I don't want to you know, inundate or overwhelm people. But yeah, this was great, Mike. I, I uh, so appreciate you asking me to be on. And you know, it's fun. It's, this whole world, in my opinion, is, is opening up so much of what we've always wanted. And it's doing it in some ways that's empowering us as creators. And, and it's a pretty exciting journey to be on. So I appreciate you having me. Well, Brian, on behalf of all of my listeners and watchers, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your awesome wisdom. We'll catch you next time. Hey, if you missed anything, we took all the notes for you over at socialmediaexaminer.com slash C4. And if you're new to this show, be sure to follow us and let your friends know about this show. You can tag me on Instagram at Stelzner. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Business Crypto Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Stelzner. I'll be back with you next week. I hope you make the best out of your day and may Web3 continue to change your world. The information provided in the Crypto Business Podcast is provided solely for educational purposes. Do not treat what you hear as investment, trading, or financial advice. Do your own research. The Crypto Business Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner. If you're like so many fellow marketers and creators and entrepreneurs, you're probably wondering, how do I put AI to work? Well, be sure to listen to the AI Explored Podcast, a new show from Social Media Examiner, hosted by yours truly, Michael Stelzner. Again, check out the AI Explored Podcast.